Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. If there was ever an evangelist who had the gift of encouragement, it was Coy McGinnis. This message was preached by Coy many years ago, and it's titled, Let Us Go Over. I know you will enjoy this wonderful message. Keep passing it on and on, keep passing it on, keep passing it on, keep passing it on and on. Hardly seems possible that it's been four years. Uh, that I was here the last time. As I sat here on the platform, it just seemed like a few days had gone by, and here we are back again. (laughs) But it's good to be back. And uh, I enjoy preaching from this old pulpit. There's a switch up here, you know, right there, and we really don't know what it is. But I've always sort of had it in my mind that That was for a preacher when he got sort of bogged down or in the brush. You could flip that switch and it would give you a surge of some kind. There's a hole back here you can put your toe in. So if I get in trouble, I'm going to stick my toe in this hole and throw the switch and see what happens. (laughs) Well, it's good to be here and it's good to have the cons in the camp meeting with us. Brother Con playing his guitar and our uh, association goes way back way back. (laughs) Matter of fact, I was there the night they prayed through and got saved. And so we're delighted to have them in the camp meeting. And I'll stop right there. I I won't go any further because I'll get in trouble. But it's good to see you all again and especially good to have as my co-worker, Brother Weatherall. Now he's a young preacher and well, he's kind of (laughs) young. Somewhat young. (laughs) full of fire and thunder and energy, and I'm an old man worn out. I guess this might be, I was calculating a while back, I would guess this is getting to be somewhere near my 200th camp meeting and somewhere over 1,200 revivals and something over a million miles. So I'm getting tired. I really am. I'm getting kind of tired. You've heard the story of the little tailor. Uh, seven at one blow, you remember that story? And uh, it was just flies, really, but uh, he was able to get seven of them at one blow. And he was so proud of himself, he put a little sign up in his shop, seven at one blow. And the community got confused and thought he was talking about men, that he had killed seven men at one time. And so they started really lauding him as being some great person. And they sent out and got a giant to come in, and he was supposed to have to contest with that giant. But he devised a lot of ways and fooled the giant. And one of the tricks that he pulled 
was he told the giant, we're going to go out here, there's a big tree that's fallen down out here, and we're going to go out here and bring that big tree back into the village. So when they got out there, he told the giant, he said, now, I'm going to take the big end where all the branches are. That's the biggest end of the tree. He said, I'm going to take the big end, and you take the little end down there, which is the trunk, and you put that trunk on your shoulders, and then I'll take care of the big end back here. The poor giant liked to gild himself, carrying the trunk of that tree into the village, and the little tailor got up in the branches and just rode along until they got to town. So that's what I'm going to do. Brother Weatherall's going to take the little end, and I'm going to take the big end. <laughs> I'm going to let him do the preaching. I'm going to ride in the branches a little, maybe. <laughs> Let's stand together, if you will, please. Now, I need to check you out here. I can't, you know, I'm, uh, uh, I'm a little strange. I'm, well, I won't be able to get in on all the functions and things. I have, uh, I have physical disabilities. One of, the, one of the problems I have is I'm diabetic. And uh, my doctor told me <clears throat> when he first diagnosed me as being diabetic, and I said, you tell your family when you go home. Tell your family that because of your illness you, will, you may become unreasonable at times. So I went home and I told my wife, said, the doctor told me to tell you that because I'm diabetic now that uh, I may be unreasonable at times. You know what she said? She said, you must have had this all your life. That's what she said. But uh, I can't hear real good and strong up here. So now here's what I want you to do while I got you on your feet. I want everybody that's here tonight that's glad to be in an old-fashioned camp meeting, say amen, big and loud. Amen. Oh, I heard that. I really did. Now here I want to ask you something else, all right? Everybody that thinks it's good to say amen while the preacher's preaching, say amen again. Amen. Now unto him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. All right? You'll need to say amen at least once while I'm preaching tonight. <laughs> Keep yourself out of trouble. <laughs> All right. In the book of Luke, if you have your Bibles with you, and I'm not going to be lengthy tonight, <clears throat> but let's look in chapter number 8 in the book of Luke at verse 22. Chapter 8 and verse 22. Now it came to pass on a certain day, that he went into a ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. They came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased. And there was a calm. And he said unto them, <clears throat> Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against 
Galilee. Shall we pray? Our Father, we ask in Jesus' name tonight that thou would be merciful to us and to these who must listen to this message tonight. We pray in Jesus' name that you'll give us wisdom and understanding from above. Fill our hearts and our minds with the fire of the Holy Spirit of God that together we may enjoy uh, this time of looking into God's holy word. Thy will be done on in this service tonight as you taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. Let's look again, if you will, please, at verse 22 where the writer tells us that Jesus said, let us go over unto the other side. And that's what I want to preach about for a little while tonight. Let us go over unto the other side. This lesson that is before us is here to tell us that without the help of God, how helpless humanity is without the assistance of the divine. But it also points out by Jesus' presence in the ship and what he was able to do under these circumstances how much better things are uh, if Christ is in the midst uh, and if his Holy Spirit uh, is, uh, in fact, helping us. There are three little lessons that I draw from this truth tonight. First of all, uh, these folks that Jesus was addressing here uh, was on the wrong side of the lake. And then the second thing that I want to talk about is the crossing they made uh, and the third thing is the results. Now, it couldn't get much more simple than that. <laughs> so simple that maybe I can even get some good out of this little lesson tonight. First of all, we notice that Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over unto uh, the other side. Now, I don't know what all we can draw from this because some of it's going to have to be conjecture. Uh, uh, a lot of preaching is, uh, is conjecture. Uh, and, uh, and you, we just have to draw what we have and, uh, and uh, make some uh, applications and uh, draw some conclusions uh, <clears throat> and do the best we can uh, uh, with the situation. But let's look at it like this. Is it conceivable that we're seeing here uh, that these folks uh, were not where uh, they should have been? For Jesus said, let's go over to the other side. Uh, could we draw from this lesson that they were not uh, uh, where they could have been? Uh, I think we can draw that lesson uh, uh, without any uh, uh, stretch of imagination at all uh, because they're on this side, uh, and the Lord said, let's go over to the other side. One thing we know, uh, that uh, some of them uh, uh, were not where they would have been uh, if things had already transpired uh, like the Lord wanted it to transpire, uh, they would have already been over on the other side. Oh, you say, now, preacher, your ice is a little thin here tonight. Uh, well, I hope it'll hold us up long enough uh, to get our first point down anyway. Uh, but the thing that I'm trying to preach to you tonight about is the helplessness of humanity uh, without the assistance uh, of uh, the divine. Now, when I say that they were not where they should have been, I'm as thoroughly convinced as I'm in this pulpit tonight, there's a lot of folks in the holiness movement that is not where they ought to be. I just believe that with all of my heart. 
I'm not being judgmental. Uh, I'm not trying to draw any serious uh, uh, conclusions uh, about any particular circumstances. Uh, but I'm simply telling you that I believe uh, as a holiness crowd, uh, we are living below our privileges uh, as far as what God is able to do for us uh, and then what we are allowing him to do for us. Uh, now, I know that there's a procedure uh, uh, to this matter of, uh, there's a progressiveness uh, to this matter of religion. Uh, I was reading just not too long ago, uh, the great man that a lot of us like to read after, uh, A.B. Simpson. Uh, and what a great preacher he was. Uh, and what a great author that he was. Uh, and then I read where A.B. Simpson, uh, uh, because of the time that he was uh, born and the uh, disposition of the church at the time, uh, when A.B. Simpson was first converted, uh, he didn't give up his tobacco right away. Uh, he went right on smoking, uh, even after uh, uh, he had been saved uh, and converted. Uh, for quite a while, as a matter of fact, uh, because he didn't have any light on the situation at all. Uh, but then he was in prayer one morning, he said, and the Spirit of God and God himself seemed to draw very close to him. And here's what he thought. He thought if God gets any closer to me, I'm afraid he's going to smell the tobacco on my breath. And he gave up his tobacco right then and there and never smoked another time. What are you talking about, brother? I'm simply saying that if we'll let the Holy Spirit of God, uh, he will help us in whatever uh, given circumstances we might be in uh, with respect to light and, and, uh, and surroundings uh, and whatever else might prevail. Uh, if we'll just give God an opportunity, uh, he'll help us to make some progress uh, in, our spiritual, uh, uh, in our spiritual design. Uh, now we see these people were not where uh, they could have been as well. Uh, for Jesus wanted them on the other side of the lake, uh, and so he said to them, uh, let us go over unto uh, the other side. Now a question arises here, and the question is simply this. Uh, uh, just how much lack uh, does holiness theology support uh, in a particular uh, a situation like this? Well, there's one thing that I can tell you, uh, uh, that uh, you're going to retain uh, uh, some humanity uh, after uh, you've received the full benefit uh, of the grace of God. You'll still be forgetful. Uh, you still might get confused at times. <laughs> You can be a little ignorant, uh, you might be insensitive, uh, and you might be a little misdirected. Uh, but I want to tell you what you'll not be. Uh, you will not be willfully wrong, uh, you'll not be without devotion, uh, you won't be careless, uh, and you won't be deceitful, uh, and you won't be devious, uh, and you won't be cruel, uh, and you won't be calloused uh, when the grace of God abides in your heart. Uh, the Spirit of God in cleansing power takes care of those things uh, and helps us, my friends, uh, if in fact we have crossed over to the other side. Uh, the problem with a lot of folks that I'm seeing in this day and age in which we live uh, is uh, they're just like that group down there uh, that said take us not over into Egypt uh, we are satisfied right here on this side uh, we don't want to cross over uh, we have a good place for our cattle to graze uh, we have plenty of the necessary means of life uh, and sustenance uh, uh, so just don't take us across uh, we want to stay over here uh, on this side uh, the only problem was they were on the wrong side uh, and there's a few folks left around today that are 
you're still on the wrong side of the situation. But if you let the blessed Holy Spirit of God, as the songwriter said, I've left old Egypt far behind me. And with Canaan land ahead, I started on my journey by God so faithfully led. He led me out. He led me through the Jordan with Canaan land in view. Then he opened up the waters and led me safely through. Now I'm over the Jordan tide. The waters did there dividing them in the land of Canaan and abundantly satisfied. And now with joy and gladness I'm singing along the way in fellowship with Jesus and happy night and day. Another one said I'm living on the hallelujah side. Once a sinner far from Jesus I was perishing with cold but the blessed Savior heard me when I cried. He threw his arms around me and led me to the fold. Now I'm a living on the hallelujah side. Here the sun is always shining. Here the sky is always bright. There's no place for gloomy Christians to abide. For my soul is filled with music and my heart with great delight. And I'm a living on the hallelujah side. Oh, you say, I've caught you now, preacher. You know the sun isn't always shining. I said the sun is always shining. You say, no, I, I don't see it that way. Well, it's because you're on the wrong side of the cloud. You get on the upper side of the cloud, you'll find out the sun is always shining on the upper side. And the reason it's dark and gloomy where you live is you're living on the underside of the cloud. You need to get a little elevation in your experience. Praise the Lord. Oh, I'm not trying to tell you something that is completely out of the realm of, uh, of uh, sensible uh, and, and, and sanity, but I'm telling you that uh, there's a lot of folks uh, in the church, I believe nowadays, uh, they're really not where they could be uh, if they let the Holy Spirit help them just a little bit more. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oh, yes, we'll retain our humanity. You'll probably be just as forgetful as you always have been. I started out for Houston, Texas for a revival meeting some time back. And uh, I know myself. I know that I'm forgetful. I admit it, I'm getting old. I just confess it to you. I have to admit it. Every time I look in the mirror, I have to confess it again. <laughs> there he is. Doesn't look like that fellow that used to look back at me uh, back there uh, when I pastored the little church there in, the, in Columbus, Ohio, where the, uh, the cons helped me with it. Don't look the same as I did back then, so I'm getting old. Started out to Houston, Texas for a revival meeting, and I put some letters in my inside coat pocket because I knew they needed to be mailed. Then when I got to the, to the airport, knowing myself, I knew that if I didn't take those letters out and mail them right away, I'd carry them all the way to Houston, Texas. I'd take that coat off and hang it up in the closet. I'd pack it and bring it back to Ohio, and a month later, I'd wonder what in the world those letters were doing in that inside coat pocket, so I took them out to mail them. I found the mail slot, very convenient, right on the way, on the concourse, going to where I was going to catch my plane. So I got my letters out, and I, uh, and I, I got them all packaged up together and went over and put them in the mail slot and said, now nah, I'm done with that. I don't have to worry about that anymore. I've got my mail all taken care of for today. <laughs> I got down to the concourse, and when they called the flight to go, I got up to get on the plane and reached in my inside coat pocket for my tickets, and I couldn't find them. They were not there. They were gone. And then a light came on, and I said, oh, no. 
I have mailed my tickets with those letters. I said to the fellow behind the desk, I got his attention. I was way back in the line, and I, I kept waving at him like that, and he saw me, and he said, just a minute, sir. I said, I got an emergency back here. He said, that's all right, sir. I'll take care of it in just a minute. I got to get these people checked in. I said, this is serious. He said, I, I know, sir, but I can't do anything about it right now. He said, just be patient. I'll get to you in a minute. Uh, so I couldn't do anything else but just wait. I got up there to the place, and he said, now, sir, he said, what's your problem? I said, I mailed my tickets back there with my letters a while ago, and I don't have any tickets to get on the plane. Oh, he said, well, that's no real serious problem. He said, it happens all the time. People forget their tickets. Uh, <clears throat> we'll just treat it uh, like a lost ticket, uh, and uh, that's all that's necessary. We'll take care of it like that. Oh, I said, well, if you got the answer, then I, I'm relaxed. I said, uh, we'll treat it like a lost ticket. What do we do next? He said, well, he said, what you do is uh, you go ahead and buy another ticket. Uh, and he said, uh, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll get this other one refunded later. We'll take care of it later. You just go ahead and get another ticket for your flight, uh, and we'll take care of it. I said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. He said, why not? I said, because I, I, I forgot my money and left it on the dresser at home. That's why I only had $3.28 and, and or 26 or 28 cents. I can't remember now. But only $3 and a quarter and a penny or two in my pocket. I, I, I forgot my money, left it home on the dresser. The look that boy gave me said, and does your mother know you're out by yourself in the public alone? <clears throat> I said, I, I'm, I'm going to go back. I'm going back to the mail. I went. He said, now, I said, you call the post office and tell them to meet me down there and get that ticket. I've got to have it. Uh, no, well, he said, no, it won't do any good. There's nobody down there. He said, they just come in once a day and pick that mail up. I said, you call the post office. Uh, I'm going back. I got back down there as quick as I could. I ran every step of the way. Doctor said, he said, do that once every day. Make your heart beat real fast. He didn't say three or four times a day. But he said once a day, and I sure did then. By the time I got back down there, my heart was a-thumping. Uh, but would you believe, friends, that just as I walked up, or after I had run all the way and slowed down, I just walked casually up there to that mail place. Uh, the side door opened. A man came in with a little a little uh, uh, pouch of a thing, went over and opened that place up. And, and I stood right there and looked in the box and saw the corner of my ticket sticking out from under the letters that I'd mailed. Uh, he picked that basket up, and I got right in there, my elbow in there with him, uh, and he was trying to tell me I wasn't supposed to be in there. Uh, but I said, say, son, I said, there's something I have to tell you. Uh, I mailed my ticket here a while ago. I've got to have that ticket. I've got to preach in a revival tonight in Houston, Texas. Uh, and I said, I've got to have that ticket to get on the plane. It's right there. I said, it's that little blue envelope. Uh, and I know this is a federal offense, uh, but I stuck my hand in there and pulled that ticket out and said, there. There it is right there. Thank you, son. Stuck it in my pocket and started off down while he was saying, ah, uh, eh, eh, pointing at me like that. And he flabbergasted him so much he couldn't find any words to say. But I ran all the way back to the concourse, slid up to the desk and gave the fellow my ticket just as he's getting ready to shut the door and close the flight out. He said, how in the world did you do that? I said, I haven't got time to tell you now. But I said, the Lord helped me. Yes, he said, I believe he did. I got on the plane and sat down on the plane all out of breath, looked up toward heaven and said, thank you, Heavenly Father, for getting me through this situation. And I 
no sooner got the words out of my mouth. You know how the devil does. He said, yes, but you only have $3.26 in your pocket. I said, that's all right, devil. I'm going to Houston, Texas and preach the gospel on $3.26. And that's exactly what I did. And I never told a soul that I didn't have any money when I got there. But every time an occasion rose that I needed money, somebody else said, I'll take care of that preacher. And they did every time. And I came all, I went all the way to Houston, Texas and came back to Ohio and still had maybe 30 or 40 cents left in my pocket when I got home. You say, what are you telling us? I'm trying to tell you that without the assistance of the Holy Spirit, I don't believe I could even stay on the pike. I don't believe I'd dare go out of the house. I wouldn't trust myself to do anything. But because I know he said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee, but go with thee always, even unto the end of the age. And because I can trust him and I know that he's on my side and by my side if he says let us cross over to the other side all I want to know is how soon you want me to leave Lord and I'll be on the way praise God amen, <laughs> amen. well he said let us go to the other side let's look at this crossing here for just a minute or two first of all my friends I want you to notice that these disciples had to go the distance Second, they had to face the danger. Third, they had to fulfill their duty, launch. And fourth, uh, they had to exercise uh, some faith. When they say they had to go the distance, uh, I think we may uh, have hit uh, uh, the nail on the head here, so to speak, uh, as, to, as to the reason why uh, some folks don't want to go to the other side. Uh, they don't want to go the distance. They don't want to pay the price. They don't want to give up the world. They don't want to say goodbye to self and selfish ideas. They don't want to let the Holy Spirit be their guide and direct their lives and help them make their decisions. They want to do it the way they want to do it. And because they have that disposition of heart, uh, they're never going to get over on the other side. Uh, they are refusing to go the distance uh, I don't want to sound negative right here in the very beginning of this camp meeting. As a matter of fact, I, uh, the truth is I, I, I'm really not much of a negative preacher. Uh, but I'm seeing so much of this listlessness uh, and apathy uh, that's going on in the holiness movement. Uh, I may have to get a little negative here every once in a while to help some folks wake up uh, and realize that we cannot continue uh, to maintain uh, a spiritual stance uh, and spirit of evangelism uh, and reach the world uh, and do our job uh, unless we're willing to go the distance with God and pay the price uh, and quit this nonsense uh, of trying to uh, please the world uh, and dabble around with sin uh, and keep one foot on one side and one on the other. Uh, a lot of folks try to serve God uh, like one place I recently went to preach up there in Ohio. Uh, and they told me, they said, Preacher, uh, the county line runs right down through the middle of this church. Uh, and when you get up there to preach tonight, uh, you'll have one foot in one county and one in the other because the county line goes right through the middle of the pulpit. Uh, first time in my 
life I ever preached in two counties at the same time uh, uh, from one pulpit. Uh, but I got to stand in there looking at that county line between my toes uh, and that imaginary line through the pulpit. Uh, and I said, bless God, this is just like a lot of folks that profess religion. Uh, they're trying to live on both sides of the situation at the same time. Uh, they want all the pleasures of sin. They want all the things of the world. Uh, they want to have all the fun they can have uh, and keep the devil in their hip pocket uh, uh, while they try to keep the Lord in their vest pocket. Uh, but I can tell you it won't work, friend. Uh, if you're going to go to heaven, you're going to go the distance with God. You're going to say goodbye to this world and sin. You're going to give up those designs that you have about trying to be two kinds of people at the same time. And as my dear old grandmother used to say years ago, Brother Taylor, she said, well, if you're going to think like that and do like that, she said, me and you are going to be two different people. I knew exactly what she meant. I got the message full force. And I want to tell you something tonight. If you want the blessings of God, he'll bless you. If you want full, complete salvation, he has it for you. If you want to be able, my friends, to walk in the light and enjoy your religion, the Holy Spirit of God will help you to do it. But you're going to have to wave goodbye to the devil and make it a permanent wave and make up your mind, sink, swim, survive, or perish. I'm going through with Jesus in spite of the cost. I'm going to lay down everything he wants me to and give up everything he wants me to. I'm going to adjust my mind and my heart and my spirit to the perfect will of God so that there is no reservations or questions left about it. I can sing it from the bottom of my heart and mean it and say I'm going through with Jesus. I'm going through. Praise the Lord. I'm going through. Hallelujah. Well, you've got to go the distance to get to the other side. You're going to have to face the danger. Said a great storm of wind came upon this little vessel that these disciples here were in. Now, I want to tell you something. In order for Jesus to go with these disciples to the other side, he had had to practically insult his own family. There was a great crowd that was gathered here. And for the press, because there were so many people here, his own mother and his own kinsmen and his own friends, his brothers and sisters, they had come out to this meeting and they wanted to enjoy the fellowship of their own brother and their own kin. And mother wanted to see her son. This is her boy that's preaching this meeting and it's her son here and she wants to get close to him and she can't because of the press. Jesus himself was paying a very serious price to get these people over to the other side of the lake. He was having to say goodbye to his own family. He was having to actually slight his own kinsmen in order to do what he knew needed to be done. There were things needing done on the other side. There was a demoniac over there that was wailing in the tombs uh, that needed somebody to relieve him of the anguish of his soul. Uh, there was a man's daughter who was uh, in the jaws of death uh, and would soon leave this world. Uh, and he needed to be there to raise uh, uh, this man's daughter from the dead. 
There was a little widow over on the other side of that lake that had an issue of blood and she needed to be healed. She needed to touch Jesus and have this physical problem taken care of. And Jesus knew about these responsibilities that were waiting for him over on the other side of the lake. And so he just waved goodbye to friends and family and all this crowd that I'm sure was enjoying his ministry. He'd fed them. He had healed them. He'd performed miracles for them and he was a celebrity in their sight and well accepted at this time in his ministry but he said goodbye to all of that and said to the disciples we're going to have to launch out and cross over to the other side now I believe in his divine providence he knew that storm was on the way he had he had an inborn given sense of, of circumstances that was better than the Noah weather system that we have nowadays and he knew that they were going to get into a storm out there friends we don't know what's ahead yet for us we don't know what's going on actually around us sometimes and I must be I must tell you that I'm very much alarmed about the circumstances of the world right now and the circumstances of our own nation we live in a deplorable age when all kinds of sin and debauchery is around us like mountains and the world itself seems to be crushed crumbling and on the brink of something we know not what just heard on the radio today on the news that they're forming the very first world court in which subjects of the United States of America can be brought into question about their character before this international tribunal already they've got the euro dollar that's in position to be put into place we're facing I don't know what with this one world government that's coming up it's coming up you can just write it down in your little book it's coming up we live in such an age of social and moral abscess that even though the president of the United States of America is living in questionable circumstances and lying about it and 63% of the population of the United States of America still give him a good rating for a job well done. Well, I want to tell you something tonight, my friends. These things trouble me, and it troubles me that there's a lot of folks professing religion, and they're not the least bit troubled about these things that are going on in the world. They don't seem to care. Well, I care. I care a lot about that tonight. And I want to tell you how I feel about it. <laughs> I know there's danger. We don't know. Well, we don't know what it's going to cost us yet to take our stand for Jesus. I didn't mean to get on that. But I want to tell you one thing, my friend. If you be faithful, God will be faithful to you. Praise the Lord. To cross over, you have to faithfully execute the duty that God has given you in the matter of faith. And when I say exercise the duty God has given us in the matter of faith, I'm talking about what the Bible says. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By it the elders obtained a good report. Praise the Lord. Well, I must hurry to a close. When they reached the other side, they met a man in the tombs, and Jesus healed him. On the other side, they saw the miracles that God wanted them to see. When they got over on the other side, 
they saw the sanctified circumstances that Jesus knew before would be waiting for them. And I like this expression, it said, and there was a great calm. Praise the Lord. There was a great calm on the other side. I believe with all of my heart that if we'll let the Holy Spirit of God, He'll still help us. With the hand of my little son, who is now nearly 30 years of age, but at that time he was only seven years old, he had a malignant tumor of the brain. And we spent 10 weeks in Children's Hospital with him in Columbus, Ohio. And they were the most trying hours and days of my life. Ten weeks out of the evangelistic field, that's what I was at the time, full-time evangelist. Well, you say, how do you live, brother, ten weeks? With evangelism being your only means of support, how, how could you live? <laughs> you have to live by faith under circumstances like that. And I just dropped this in just, just as an extra measure. Every week that we were in that hospital, ten long weeks, every week there came a check in the mail. Every week. Not failing one week, a check came in the mail. And sometimes two. We didn't suffer at all during that time financially, but we suffered because our son was lying at the point of death. All three kinds of meningitis and looked like he was going to lose his life. We waited patiently for MP Sayers to come back and give us the report as to whether or not he had made it through his operation. Finally, he came down after eight hours of surgery and told us that our son was going to live. But they didn't tell us at that time that he had lost his sight during the operation. A few weeks, maybe two weeks later, I was leading him by the hand around the corridor of the hospital, trying to get him acclimated to a life ahead in darkness. My friend, you can say what you please. But it's kind of tough to look down on the head of a seven-year-old boy and know that he's lost his sight. It's kind of tough to watch him fumbling his way around in the darkness. And he doesn't fully understand it yet. And he's saying up to this point, at least, we had told him by now, but for a few days he kept saying to his mother, as soon as I get the bandages off my eyes, he said, I'll be glad, Mom. It's awful dark. I can't see anything. But when I get these bandages off my eyes, Mom, he said, I'll be all right, won't I, Mom? And finally, we had to tell him, no, son. You're going to have to get used to that dark. It's something you're going to have to learn to live with. But I was leading him through the cart of the hospital, trying to get him used to these new circumstances. Held him by the hand. As I led him along, I looked down on that little bandage head, and I had a stone on my heart and a lump in my throat as I said, Son, your daddy wants you to know that I'm awful sorry about your situation. We walked a few steps further, 
little hand came over, patted me on the back of the hand and said, Don't worry, Dad. Jesus is helping us. <laughs> That's what he said. Don't worry, Dad. Jesus is helping us. Well, the stone went off of my heart. I couldn't get the lump out of my throat for a while. But the stone went off of my heart when I realized my son knew exactly what he was talking about. The poet said the soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, he will not desert to his foes. That soul though all hell should endeavor to shake, he'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. And I like to sing that and just keep singing, no, never, no, never, no, never, no, never, no, never forsake. For I know down in my heart of hearts tonight that if I'll keep my hand in the nail-scarred hand of Jesus, whatever the world does, whatever the nation does, whatever the politicians do, whatever the church in general does, if I'll just keep my hand in the hand of Jesus, and when he says, let's go to the other side, say, I'm ready to go, Lord, and face the, the peril and take the and do whatever God says to do and cross all over with Him for I know that where He leads my friend is pleasant circumstances. Praise His wonderful name. And I promise you tonight on the authority of God's Word if God's trying to lead you into a better spiritual situation you better just let Him lead you even if you have to cross over to do it, praise the Lord. There's a lot of folks in the holiness movement tonight that are on the wrong side of a lot of issues and on the wrong side of some circumstances and on the wrong side of God's will. Better cross over while the Holy Spirit is providing the leadership because if you try the trip by yourself, you're going to drown. If Jesus hadn't been in the ship with these disciples, they'd have been to the bottom of that lake instead of over on the other side. But because he was there, and they said, Master, and he arose <laughs> and said, Peace, be still. <laughs> and I don't know how many times there has been in my own life when the devil has moved in on me to slaughter me and the turmoil was on and the storm was on and it was raging around me and it looked like my little bark was going to sink. But I said the same thing the disciples did. I said, I said, Lord, do you care about me now? And all of a sudden I felt his presence and he said, Pete, be still. And the waters went back down the sea. And the sun came out again. And I rose up and went ahead to do the will of God. Friends, let me tell you something tonight. God's not going to forsake his church in these last days. And he's not going to forsake every soul that's going to be faithful to his cause. But if you just let him do it, thank God, he'll take you across and get you to the other side. The last and final sea that you and I are going to cross is the old river of death. But the songwriter said, there's a light in the valley of death now for me since Jesus came into my heart. And the gates of the city beyond I can see since Jesus came into my heart. And I fear not that crossing, friend. I fear it not one bit. I am as close. I was lying in the hospital, Columbus, Ohio, 
Mount Carmel. The dye they had put into my veins to investigate my heart circumstances <clears throat> had killed me. <laughs> really, it had. I wasn't dead very long, just a few seconds, but that's long enough, I guess. Because if they hadn't revived me, I wouldn't have been here tonight. But they administered medication, shots, whatever they did. I don't know because I don't remember. I wasn't conscious. But I finally came back around. The cardiologist was bent over me, and he was shaking his head, and he said it was close. We lost you there for a little bit. But he said we, we brought you back. His father was a Methodist preacher. He said, my old Methodist father, if he would have here, would have said, glory to God, we saved your life. He said, but you were mumbling. All, all He said, before you <clears throat> lost consciousness, he said you were mumbling something. He said, I never could understand what you were saying. Oh, I said, I think I remember, Doc. I said, I was singing. Singing? <laughs> he said, it didn't sound much like singing to me. Well, I said, I was singing. Well, he said, what, well, do you remember what you were singing? Oh, yes, I said, I remember what I was singing. I was singing, it is well with my soul. <laughs> my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear them no more. It is well, it is well with my soul. I said, that's what I was singing, Doc. I was singing, it is well with my soul. He shook his head and said, well, it didn't sound much like singing, but I'll take your word for it. He said, but anyway, he said, we saved your life, and we brought you back. Well, I said, I want to tell you something, Doc. If you expect me to thank you for that, I said, I'm sorry. I've been 43 years trying to get the, across that river to the other side and I said all you've done is just delayed my trip and slowed me down and brought me back and I said I'm not even going to thank you for it I'd have been just as happy to have crossed on over to the other side and I would have been I really would have been God saw fit to leave me here <laughs> I guess if for no other reason <clears throat> just to aggravate you I suppose But tonight I simply say if the Holy Spirit of God speaks to your heart during this camp meeting and says, let's go over to the other side, better launch out, face the peril and the jeopardy, and go on across. Because it's better on the other side. If that's where the Lord wants you, you better let him help you cross on over. Shall we stand together, if you will, please? Bow our head and close our eyes for just a few moments tonight. Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name, you'll take these broken elements, these emblems of truth, and sanctify them. Make them meet for this service tonight. Speak to that heart, Lord, who may have been despairing about something the Lord wants them to do. Maybe there's someone here tonight that's on the very edge of the river, wanting to cross over into an experience of heart holiness. Help them to cross over during the camp meeting, we pray. There could be someone here who is wanting to get into the kingdom of God, knows nothing about redeeming grace. Help them, we pray, to get across into the provision of divine counsel. There may be someone here 
God's put their finger on them to preach the gospel or to serve on the mission field. We pray, Lord, you'll help them to cross over to the other side. There may be someone here who are living in the shadows of despair because they can't decide whether to cut the line and take the way of the cross and go all the way with God or try to maintain a nominal religious relationship, help them to cross over to the other side. Whatever is needed, help us to accomplish it. And we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name. I don't want to take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. I don't want to lose the fire. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA.